This is the 7-Figure Agency Podcast. Discover the strategies and techniques to grow a highly successful and profitable digital marketing agency with your host, Josh Nelson. All right. Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for being on this session today. Um, this is part of the 7-Figure Agency Podcast where we're doing an agency success interview series where we interview highly successful digital marketing agencies from across the country on how they land clients, deliver results, and retain. And today, I'm super excited to have with us Kyle Clement from Vet Marketing. Um, Kyle, thanks so much for being here, man. Thank you. Excited to be a part of it. So I guess to, the best way to kick us off is just kind of tell us a little bit about you and your agency and kind of where you're at in the business at this stage in the game. Yeah, so vet marketing firm, uh, we work with, you know, veterinarians and, you know, people in the animal health business. You know, we also have, um, you know, part of our legacy agency that works with like medical doctors and dentists and ENTs and, and stuff like that. But we're really, you know, dialed into the niche. That's what our book's in. That's where we've, you know, dialed in. So we try to really just help veterinary practices grow. We like to work with the higher end practices that, you know, are trying to really make a big impact to the community. And we like to use the tagline. We want the ones that want to become leader of the pack. So that's what we try to, you know, operate and where we try to fit right now. I love it. I love it. So, so you've got a little bit of a generalist side. You've got other you know, medical practices, but the, the niche is, is uh, veterinarian clinics. Um, approximately, like what, what's the size of the operation? How many clients? How much recurring revenue? If you're comfortable sharing that. Yeah, no, we're, we're right around like 60 clients and that, you know, 90,000 a month recurring revenue right now. So awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So guys, you've got a seven figure agency here, niche focused. Um, and we just recently celebrated crossing the seven-figure mark. So uh, give a, a quick woohoo or something like that for Kyle. Um, congratulations, man, on, on building a seven-figure agency. No, yeah, you guys were a big help with that too. So we, yeah, we came in on board doing right around, you know, we came a little bit of a head start. We were doing that, you know, like 45 range. And then, you know, really we joined, you know, just under a year ago. Um, you know, so we've been really seeing some good results and, you know, just by kind of narrowing our focus down and, and really starting to take some of the processes and, and get them, ex you know, it's all about execution. So we've been able to really dial that in and we've seen some great results. So yeah, we appreciate you and owe a lot of thanks to, you know, seven figure agency and your guys team over there. Awesome, man. Well, I'd love to hear that. So let's talk, let's talk a little bit about transitions, right? So you were at 45, now you're at 90. Um, that, that's a big, that's a, that's a big movement in about a 12 month period of time. If you had to talk about like two or three key shifts or changes that you made that helped to get that acceleration, what would those be? Yeah, no, that's great. So I think we were really trying to compete with our like early on in the vet space. You know, we had we've gone through a bunch of, you know, highs and lows. You know, it's been you know, there's been some challenges that we came across. But I think, you know, one thing is that we tried to I think we were looking a little bit too laterally for a long time. Like we were trying to make our prices match you know, the guys priced down the street and we were trying to, you know, if this guy's charging only like 500 bucks a month, we, we were kind of like putting this limiting belief that, Hey, we had to charge $500 a month to compete, even though we were providing so much more value at the end of the day. So I think, you know, one thing that we did is we really narrowed down who we wanted to work with. You know, like we know that we're not the best fit for everybody. You know, there's, you know, 36,000 vets out there just in the U S alone. And those aren't all of our ideal, you know, clients. And that's tough. You want to work with everyone. You want to help everyone. I think that's why we you know, got in the business was to be really successful, but also a lot of us just like helping people and solving, you know, tough marketing problems. And so with that, you kind of start saying yes to a lot of things and you start, you know, maybe going outside of your, you know, your, what you know works and what you know needs to get results. So we were like kind of charging too little and providing too much. And if you're, you know, I love under promising and over delivering, but if you're under charging, 
and over delivering is just going to create uh, an, a situation that's not going to work out in the long run. So that was like really dialing in our pricing, um, having that confidence to kind of like charge more and, and touch the marketplace. That was a big thing. And then really getting narrow, like laser focused on who we wanted to work with. Love it. So, so it's a big takeaway, guys. You know, we talk a lot about in the early phases, choose a niche and position yourself as the expert. Uh, but even within the niche that you're in, it's not enough to say, okay, I work with plumbers or in college place, I, I work with veterinary clinics. Um, what are the, the subgroup within that group that are the right fit? Like for us, when we were trying to work with all plumbers, we were, we were chasing our tail. We were landing clients and losing clients. When we got clear on, well, our client is actually a million dollar plus plumbing company with at least five technicians in the field. Then we could charge more. We could you know, deliver a, a more comprehensive service and actually have the clients stick. It sounds like that's what I'm hearing from you is kind of going to the, getting clear that your market was the upper level veterinary clinics and not every veterinary clinic. Right. And so like we want to work with the multi-doctor. So they call them an FTE. It's a full-time equivalent. So we want to work with like the multi full-time equivalent doctors practices that want to grow and want to become a leader in their space. And like, we really like working with the independent, you know, veterinary practices. There's a lot of corporate consolidation out there. Um, there's a lot of corporate groups in the in the medical space in general, specifically in the vet space, they're, they're seeing a lot of that right now. So we really like those independent multi-doctor practices that have, you know, really set marketing goals, or at least know that they want to become like leaders and they want to eventually sell their practice one day. So that's what we, we're good at, like kind of coming alongside those, those doctors and helping them kind of get to the next level. Love it. Yeah. So, so good. So kind of being clear on your niche, understanding the dynamics of that niche, sounds like it was a, a big driver so one thing was charging more and kind of getting clear on who the, the ideal clients were. What were, what were some of the other shifts? Um, I think the big shift too is like with the, with the team, you know, we had, um, we had to get, I think I've told you this, uh, this before, but I think, you know, like there's, you know, like if you have, I, I've heard the analogy that like prop dusters won't keep up with fighter jets, you know? And so like, we wanted a team of fighter jets. And so like, if you try to, if a fighter jet tries to slow down, to be to a crop duster speed, you know, in terms of airplane analogies and stuff like that, it actually will fall out of the sky. And so when you have these like big ambitious goals and you don't have the right team on board, um, I think that's a big piece of it. Um, the other thing was like, we were just starting to implement traction in high level. And so like, that was a, you know, huge value that we've had with, you know, you guys coaching us and, and helping us along the way is getting like, we haven't fully adopted traction, but I don't, you know, we've taken some of the things that are working for us. And, and now we're trying to grow a leadership team that we can like, help implement the traction process. So that's been, um, you know, really, really helpful. And just like writing out down all of our processes and, you know, starting using high level for ourselves. It's hard to sell something if you're not using it yourself. So just getting really good at that. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things, but I think that's the big thing is getting the right team, charging the right amount, and then getting the technology to help, you know, back it up in the systems in place too. I love it. Yeah. So getting kind of getting the team dialed in, what you said there was really powerful around, you know, you, you use the crop dusters analogy, like, if you want A players, right, get A players and kind of level that up. Don't expect your A players to play equal to the C players, right? Yeah, and I think a lot of people will try to, you know, like a lot of people have like, you know, think that three C players equals an A. Like if you're paying three people at, you know, $18 an hour, that doesn't equal a $60 an hour person. You know, there's just so much knowledge and experience and stuff that comes. And that's the kind of ways to get things off your plate. I mean, I'm really good at you know, fighting to see people and seeing people. And so if I can be like focused on that and not focused on putting out the fires and, you know, dealing with the clients, um, just getting out of that role a little bit, it makes, it allows me to focus on what I'm good at and what's going to actually improve the bottom line of the company at the end of the day. 
I love it. Great stuff. Brian Schwartz, Traction is the book by Gina Wickman that outlines EOS, the Entrepreneur Operating System. Um, and it's really just a, an operating system to help you build a leadership team, put some consistency and meeting rhythms behind your organization and get more accelerated growth within your business, more of an operations process uh, than anything else. Um, and so that's what he's referring to when he says traction, the, the book. Can you talk a little bit about how EOS and, and implementing that has, has helped? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, and, and again, we're still in the process of, you know, we go there on Fridays and, you know, we've met with the, the traction coach, which is huge value to, to bring to the group. And so we've, the biggest things for us, I think, was like identifying the org chart and kind of like a design, a designing values to see like where we're strong and where we're weak. Because I think we kind of know, but when you put it on paper and you kind of have, you know, a lot of us are goal driven and pretty ambitious. So when you actually see like where you need to focus your time, like, hey, how is our, you know, website development process? How's our SEO process? How's our ads process? How's our, you know, email newsletter process? How's our content? And like just being able to assign values to it and get some of our team members to buy in. And like, I could think something's a, you know, an eight, nine or 10, but our team's telling me it's a five or six or even lower than that, then there's some, you know, something that is not getting communicated correctly. So it allows you to kind of like jump in, identify that problem and, and figure out where you need to work. So that, that's the big thing. And then I think, you know, traction being the, what, you know, the entrepreneur or employee operating, you know, entrepreneur operating system. So it just gives you like a framework that you can like, you know, again, you need to have the visionary, which you, you know, it kind of identifies a name to what you've always kind of known is in your, you know, entrepreneurial blood. And then, hey, a visionary needs to have an integrator. Those don't always need to be the same person doing the same roles, even though we wear those hats early on a lot. And then having just like the, you know, the structure breaking down, having someone like own the, you know, sales and marketing, someone own the operations, someone own the HR and finance. And then even if it's you at first, but just know that that's where you're going to work to try to delegate. It gives you a, you know, a, a target that you can be like, you know, laser focused on in order to kind of work towards that, um, you know, delegation, which I think is going to make you ultimately free up your time, let you focus on things you're good at and uh, delegate the things that you're not as good at. Yeah. Love that. Perfect, perfect breakdown. So if you're in your agency and you're, you're kind of struggling with the operation side of the equation, you're trying to figure out how do I get all this stuff done and you feel a little bit overwhelmed, I highly recommend checking out the book Traction by Gina Wickman and the Entrepreneur Operating System. It will help you get those processes in place to scale. So let, let's talk a little bit now. We know that you work with veterinary practices and you kind of have gone to the higher end of the market. What does your service offering look like? like what is it that you're offering and how do you package it? Yeah, so the way... A long time ago, I think I read a book, Guerrilla Marketing, and they, he said that when you're in marketing, you know, a third of your budget needs to go to building it, a third needs to go to ma managing it, and a third needs to go to marketing it. And so like we've kind of, you know, it's evolved since then, I think, but that's like a good way for us to look at. So we, we build the websites, you know, and then we're big on local SEO. That's like something that we're really strong at. And then we're doing our new client, you know, new client ads to help drive them in. And then we're doing our content, you know, the social newsletters um, in order to like kind of help work with their existing audience. So our, our new client marketing is really targeted around ads, local SEO, reputation management, and then kind of our existing marketing is really like content driven. That's with like, you know, blogging, uh, newsletters, you know, social media. And then, so that, those are the, those are the big things that we're focusing. And then we have a, a really strong, you know, web development department too, that we do, you know, most of that in-house. Awesome. Can you talk a little bit about kind of how you package and price for that in the, in the veterinary space? Yeah. So in the veterinary space, and that was a big thing that we did too. Again, before our packages were like, you know, $750, $1,500 and, and $2,500. And everyone was just going for the lowest price package. So 
we kind of realized, you know, what we were offering and we just made $1,500 a month, our lowest package. And we started closing more deals because they were just choosing the lowest, the lowest package. So we're like, well, let's just offer more value and like, you know, really break down what we're doing for that $1,500 and, and go from there. So our, our $1,500 a month package, we, um, that's where we're doing the website for them. We're uh, managing their ads. Uh, like a very, it's a smaller budget usually at that point that we're managing for them. You know, that's usually in that, um, you know, couple hundred bucks to a thousand dollar range that they'd be, you know, dedicating towards ads at that point. Um, we're doing their uh, reputation management, helping them with that. Um, we're helping them with, uh, at, you know, some some content every month. And then we're doing a few social media posts like with GMB and, uh, and Facebook and helping them, you know, we have like a limited amount of posts. And then really each package is just an amplification of that base package. Like we're doing more content, you know, we're doing additional newsletters, additional blog articles. And then on the top package, that's where we start to get a little more custom now. So our, our packages were 750, 1500, 2500. Now we're trying to be at like 1500, 2500, $5,000 a month. And that's where we'll work with some of the bigger multi-location practices and try to just like group that into a, a one-time fee just to keep it you know, pretty simple and straightforward. Love it. Love it, guys. So, so one takeaway here, you know, as you're listening, try and put this stuff in co comments for us, but, you know, kind of not being a la carte and all over the place, but having a core, here's our $1,500 a month thing. We're going to do this, this, and this, and it's included and kind of leading with that and, and you know, making that the baseline uh, just makes your life easier. It makes it more streamlined and it makes it more consistent on the deliverable side of things. Let, let's shift gears now that everybody understands kind of what it is that you're selling and who you're selling to. Um, and if you have questions, put it in the, in the chat here, guys. Um, where did you get the clients, right? I know that veterinary clinics is a tough vertical. I know people have tried and failed in this space in the past. Where, where are you getting the clients and how are you getting your foot in the door? Yeah, so originally we were doing a lot of speaking engagements. So we were like speaking at different groups and, um, you know, the conventions and some of, you know, there's in the vet space, there's CE. And so there's like different, you know, groups that they'll have meet up and they offer CE credits. And so we would kind of be like the practice management um, portion of that. Well, it kind of in 2020, I mean, that really locked down. So like it came to almost like a screeching halt. And so um, that was right when we, we launched our book. And so we have our book funnel now, which, um, you know, digital DVM, so which is the comprehensive internet marketing guide for veterinarians. So we're doing a free, you know, with your help, the free book funnel that, um, you know, if they apply, they're a veterinarian or a practice manager, that's going to be someone that we, you know, will promote to and, and get in the door and, and do that. So that's been a big help. Um, we're also really big on referrals. Like we kind of have a culture of referrals, um, you know, especially veterinarians and, and doctors. I mean, they all went to school with other veterinarians and doctors. So we try to like, you know, we're big on incentivizing them for referrals. We're big on like incorporating referral language into almost everything that we do. And so we get a lot of referrals, um, which I think is a, a compliment to the product that we're offering, the, the kind of results that we're getting. And then also it's a, you know, just a testament to coaching them on, on that topic. You know, like we're big on asking for referrals from the beginning. And, and I think we really go to the next level to try to get those referrals. I love that because it's so hard to get your foot in the door of these practices. You kind of, you had some speaking opportunities, you landed some clients that way. And you've just created a flywheel, so to speak, where each client can potentially bring you others because they all know other doctors. They all know other veterinarians that that's going to carry so much more weight than they saw a Facebook ad or you dropped a piece of mail in their in their inbox, even if it was a copy of the book. Um, can we drill down on that a little bit, like talk a little bit about how you incentivize them and kind of how you tee that up? Because I think it's a really powerful practice. Yeah, so so we're big about um 
you know, we do the research first, you know, like we'll try to find, you know, like a lot of times people don't, you know, they might forget that they went to school with Dr. Smith or they went to school with, you know, you know, Dr. John. And so like, we'll actually go through their profiles, find their alma maters, you know, do a lot of research on the front end when we're before we're coming. So we're coming prepared and we're saying like, Hey, you know, you went to X, Y, Z, you know, we try to, you can find the years and you can like dial a lot of that in just from using, you know, LinkedIn sales navigator, um, you know, with a little bit of, you know, searching and using some of these like databases out there, you can find a lot of that. And so, and then we're also saying like, Hey, this is what you're paying per month. This is what we'll give you for referrals. So it's like, we'll give them, you know, we give them $300 off, um, you know, the first month, and then we'll give them like another $200 after they've stayed with us, you know, for six months. So like they're getting $500, which is a pretty, you know, sizable contribution. And that's, I mean, that's a third of their, you know, monthly marketing that they can retain. And then we're also providing um, an incentive to the person that's getting referred to us. So like they, they feel good because it's like, hey, because so-and-so referred you to us, you're actually getting, you know, $200 off um, the first month. And so it's an incentivization for them to, you know, sign up and, and work with us. So it's like doing a lot of research on the referrals up front, um, you know, and it's, it's going to take you more than just asking one time. I mean, you really have to like, you know, after you've had great results, after you've had big wins, that's the time to start asking for referrals. And, you know, when they, when they're excited and engaged in what you're doing, that's when you need to have the, you know, the, the data ready so that you can then ask, Hey, do you know so-and-so, or do you know anybody from this school? Like really narrow it down. Don't just ask for a referral to a vet, but say, Hey, we want someone who's not in your market someone who's similar to you that's, you know, doing this. And, and a lot of times that helps them, you know, sparks their memory if they, if they got writer's block. <laughs> I love that. What, like, what a great insight there, guys. Hopefully you, you, you heard this. Whether you're working with veterinary practices, dentists, roofers, plumbing companies, if you do a little more due diligence and you don't just say, hey, we glad you're winning with our services, anybody you can refer us to, that's usually going to get like, yeah, I'll think about it. Let me let you know. Uh, but what Kyle just said here is like he looks up where they went to school. He looks at their, their mutual connections. And it sounds like maybe even, hey, you know, who do you know from XYZ, you know, veterinary school that might benefit from our services? Yeah, no, exactly. That's a that's a big piece of it. And I think when you're if you're just asking for a referral, it's like they're not thinking off the top of the head. But you're saying like when you really quantify and, and narrow it down, it makes it easier for them to like, you know, those names to kind of you know spark in the back of their mind. Love it. Yeah. And, you know, the prerequisite, obviously, is you provide good service. They're getting results. They're happy with you. And you combine that with an intelligent, proactive approach to request and get referrals. You can have like this little self-filling pipeline of you know, your sales resistance on a referral-based client versus a, a marketing client. What would you say is, you know, the difference? Oh, I mean, you're, a marketing client is going to take a lot more effort to close that that deal. I mean, a referral client, they're coming in warm. They're coming in, you know, like we talk about position to buy. I mean, they're already positioned to buy because they, you know, we like to work with people that we know, like, and trust. You know, when you have a colleague, someone that's already worked with you, someone that's already experienced results, you know, providing you that recommendation. I mean, it just works. It's a, it's a very warm introduction. And I mean, we have our close, you know, closing ratio is quadruple compared to what it is for, you know, cold marketing, even with a, a book that we spent, you know, hours and time and money, a lot of, you know, efforts gone into that book, but the, the referral tends to work a lot better for us. I love that. So, so hopefully some good takeaways there for you guys, as it relates to the, the speaking opportunities, the association, I know the last year or two, it's been tough because of COVID. Um, how do you, how do you get into those types of associations? How do you find those types of opportunities? You mentioned continuing education. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you 
navigate those types of opportunities? And there's there's associations and there's also like vendors and those are our two biggest avenues. Like in the in the vet space, there's a lot of like pharmaceutical companies, and so they want to have you know provide value to their you know their customers, which is veterinarians. So we both have the same customers, so they might you know offer to have a speak at a group, or there's you know buying organizations that want you to speak at a group, and so those it's just networking, it's um, putting together a CV, doing content like this, you know, so that you can then submit it. They want to they want to know at the end of the day. They want to provide someone who's going to provide value to them, but also someone who's going to be a good representation to them. So like being professional and having that content out there, they're going to know and have like kind of a glimpse of what they're going to get and, and who they're going to see. So that's a big, a big piece of it there. Um, and, and then that other side is finding these organizations and associations. If, if you have a book, that's a huge piece. You know, we have 130 pages of content that we've, you know, put together, you know, between two pages. So sending them that book is is really valuable to be like, okay, here's here's some topics. And if there's anything in there that they resonate with or they know that their audience is going to resonate with, that's something that can work really well in helping you get your foot in the door. Yeah, so so good, guys. Oftentimes when we think about creating content, whether that's publishing a book, doing webinars, being on podcasts or, or you know, putting out co podcast content, sometimes it feels like you're just putting stuff in the ether and it's like, yeah, some of it has a direct response component, which is good. But some of it, it's just like, I don't know how that's going to materialize, but it will position you in the industry. And that positioning is what makes those types of speaking opportunities possible. And, and when you get in front of your ideal audience, whether at a live conference or on a Zoom webinar or something in the industry, you're looked to as an expert. And the expert, everybody's willing to pay premium to work with the expert in their space. Yeah. And I, and I think a lot of times people are like, oh, they're, you know, so-and-so already has a lock on that speaking or, you know, there's a couple speakers in everyone's industry and everyone's niche that they, they know like you for the plumbers and, you know, other guys in their, in their niche, but like those, those organizations as great of a, as a speaker as you might be, or this other guy might be, they're always looking for fresh faces because they want to get different versions, even if it's the same topic, just to offer that alternative perspective is really valuable. So I think it's important not to be like, you know, don't have that limiting belief that someone's already in there. You can't get in there. You can't speak. I mean, they're always looking for these new perspectives. So if you spend time on your, you know, your pitch that, that can pay dividends a lot of times. hundred, hundred percent. I love that. Um, takeaways guys, put them in the chat as we're going. I think there's been some really, really salient points. I think, you know, Kyle's a great example of going to seven figures in a very tough niche where it just cold and calling into veterinary practices would be a very, very hard, if not impossible thing to do, where he strategically positioned himself in the industry and in, 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 in through referrals, which has helped really accelerate the growth. So I think that's a powerful, powerful insight. Okay, so we've talked, we talked about, you know, how we landing these clients today. I would love to kind of just rewind back a little bit for those that are on the call that maybe don't have their niche yet and don't have their first handful of clients. How did you wind up in the veterinary space? And like, what was the approach to get your first seed clients in the industry? So I was, I had an advantage there. So at the time when I first started, I was running a marketing agency and I, I met a veterinarian that had some marketing background and he had some connections in the vet space. So we, we partnered up early, early on and um, into the vet space. And so he had some connections that was like, hey, Kyle's the marketer, Kyle's the Google certified, you know, AdWords expert. I'm a veterinarian that knows about marketing. So we were had, you know, like had a warm introduction to these vet offices. So we, it. it's actually pretty cool. Our first, when we started, decided we were going to open the business, 
our first deposit into our bank account that we set up was a client's check. So we actually got the check. You know, they paid us a $2,500 deposit. I know exactly, you know, the vet they're in Gainesville, Florida, and we deposited that into the bank account. And that was our operating capital. To get that was the seed like, funding for the business. I love yeah, it. Exactly the yeah, same so, in ours. I, I love to hear that. Yeah. So that was our seed funding. And that's like, that, like we knew we were on the right foot, right? Someone wants to pay us for our expertise. You know, we had both been, you know, done some consulting on the side. So we knew we were going to be good at it. And then it just kind of took off from there. And then, uh, that was the, where we got the big client, you know, the clients early on. And we, we grew really, really fast early on. And then, you know, that's where we hit some, some plateaus and that's kind of where we started to, you know, you got to reinvent yourself a few times and, you know, make some changes to do that. Yeah. I love it. So th this is, is a more strategic approach, right? How hard would it have been for you to get it off the ground in that space? If you didn't have a veterinarian that you were aligned with, or if you were just trying to go it on your own? I think it would have been extremely difficult. And I still, you know, like um, we no longer have, you know, the vet as part of the business. I've had, I've since had to go out and get veterinarians to like kind of be part of the business. That's expensive, but there's, there's definitely creative ways to do that and, and get these, you know, experts part of your business. But I think, you know, when someone's spent a minimum of eight years going to school, I mean, there's a level of trust that having those three initials, you know, DVM or, you know, you know veterinary medical, you know, doctor, you know, like the VMD, there's a, there's a certain level of trust that's built when you have that, that designation, you know, just like a, a CPA is even more likely to relate to a CPA, you know, a, a, a doctor is more likely to relate to a doctor, a dentist more likely to probably relate to a, you know, a dentist. So that, that's a big thing in building trust. And it definitely gave us a, a big advantage having someone who like knows the industry. I mean, we can say we know the industry, but that's someone who's actually like been in the industry, worked in the industry and, you know, dealt with the exact same pain points that these people that we were trying to market to have dealt with. Yeah, so I know it, it, you kind of stumbled into it this way. Um, do you think if somebody was in, in thinking about, let's, let's say, entering chiropractic or thinking about entering legal, do you think they could align in the same way strategically with somebody that's already in that space and maybe make them some portion partner or something along those lines to, to create a similar outcome? Yeah, I think, you, I mean, there's a lot of consultants in these spaces that have, you know, a good base and have a lot of connections. So like that might be someone, especially, I think you have to find that person that doesn't offer the same things you do. If you're great at sales, you probably got to find someone who like doesn't quite have that piece. Or if you're great at marketing, you don't quite have that, have that piece. So I think that's where, you know, finding those people that you can align with, you know, and kind of like, you know, latch onto and, and strategic partnerships is what I like to call them. Um, you know, partnerships can be really difficult just to go from, from cold, but strategic partnerships make a lot of sense where there's a win-win it's mutually beneficial and it's something that can help both parties. So I think like there's a lot of opportunities for strategic partnerships with consultants, with, um, other coaches that are specific to that niche. Um, maybe even some vendors and, you know, that have some, you know, footholds in that place. I love it. So I'm a big fan of the, the path of least resistance, right? So if you're in your agency right now and you're at this place where you've been calling, you've been dropping in, you've been putting out content and it's just not getting off the ground for you, maybe that's a play, Like right? Maybe find somebody that's already in that space, either selling to that space or actually running a business in that space that you can align with that can kind of walk you in the door and kind of help you build the authority and build the, the model. Um, I think that's a great, a great potential outcome. Yeah. Yeah. You got to fish in waters with fish. Otherwise you're not going to catch anything, you know? So and the people that have already know those waters, those are going to be the people that you want to, you know, you want to be on their boat, <laughs> not the one without, not the one with an empty cooler. Yeah. So the other thing you mentioned, I think is pretty interesting is, is looking at the, the people already selling in the space. And you mentioned the, the pharmaceutical companies that are selling the pharmaceuticals to, 
um, to the veterinary clinics and, and kind of forming relationships with those joint venture opportunities. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so I mean, if, if you go to any of these trade shows, you're gonna see, I mean, the vet one specific, I mean, these, these pharmaceutical companies, their booths, they, they invest millions of dollars into these booths. You know, they're giving away TVs and iPads. And so they're obviously very, you know, really trying to, they have the same aligned interests that you have, right? Trying to, you know, reach these veterinarians. And so if they, if they can provide some value to them, um, that's something we've done. Like, so we've done branded content for them, like just to kind of get a foot in the door with those guys. Like, Hey, here's a piece of content that you can use for your channels of distribution. And then that's a way to get some, some attribution for your agency and get some authority. Um, you know, like finding out where these, um, pharmaceutical companies are advertising because they've put, you know, millions and millions of dollars into research to know, you know, what's going to get in front of your target audience. So, so find, like, kind of find some people that have paved the way for you a little bit beforehand, you know, like work smart. Um, instead of working hard and kind of find out where they're advertising and then try to find ways that you can do it at, you know, a little smarter than what they're doing. And that's something that we've done. Um, and then also just networking. It doesn't, you know, networking with these guys at the trade shows and, you know, putting time and, you know, be there is t having time on your side, you know, after you've been in the industry for a little while, you know, sticking with it. And, you know, it, it just adds some longevity. It adds some legitimacy when you're trying to network with these guys. So I think just, just always keeping an open mind on how you can help these these guys that that's how we've done it at least is just like providing a ton of value from free consulting as we need to because it's getting us in the foot in the door with someone who has like very deep attribution channels and just sorry distribution channels that, that we can you know kind of piggyback off of love it Su super good um bill's asking he's got somebody in his industry that wants to like give him business but he's not currently a client um and he's he's wondering like how would you suggest compensating somebody like that to form a win-win. Yeah, I mean, you got to just, everyone's margins are a little different. So you got to find out what you can afford. Um, we always try to look at it like, hey, if we were to pay our salesperson a commission, you know, this is our sales team right here, right? So this is our, so so look at it like a sales rep. Um, if you're not doing it already, one way that I kind of um, started this early on is I, I set up, you know, like with our bank account, we had three bank accounts. I had my checking account, my savings account, and then I have like a distribution account. And so every time I closed a deal, you know, it's the pay yourself first kind of mentality too. But like, I pay myself a commission on these deals. And so like, then you build up and you realize like, hey, how many deals do I need to have in place to kind of, you know, fund? It's very easy to see it. You know, like it's it's pretty black and white. It doesn't take much accounting to see how much is in that that distribution account right there. So that's a way that we kind of work backwards. to so like, okay, we know we can afford X percent um, to pay these guys. And so like, that's what we offer. And it's just, it's just a negotiation. They might say they want more and then you're going to have to, you know, maybe charge a little bit more or give them some kind of wholesale pricing. It's going to, it's going to vary based on your margins, but that's a good way to, um, to at least start, right. Have a, have a defined percentage. Think of them like your sales team. And so like, Hey, I can do 10, it doesn't have to be 10% ongoing. They're not expecting to be, you know, to do all that work, but I think 10% for, you know, three to six months, that's a lot of money based on how much you're charging. And that, that could mean, you know, they could be willing to do it for a lot less. So just having, you know, having those conversations, it doesn't hurt to ask, right. Knows the, knows the second best answer, but they, you know, if they don't agree or like the offer. Yeah. Great, great answer. Great, great. An you know, great question too, right? You're, you could potentially be one joint venture away from a seven figure agency. Um, yeah. And I can think of, I can point to a number of examples of members of seven figure agency who have gone to seven figures just by aligning with one person or one organization and having that organization plug them in. Um, I've seen financial models compensation wise for joint ventures from nothing. Cause it's just a good, you know, exchange of value all the way up to as much as 30% of monthly recurring, which I would never 
recommend. Um, with, with that said, you want it to be exciting enough for the joint venture that like partner that they would want to plug you in, right? And if they're seeing dollar signs and they're seeing opportunity, um, don't, don't give away the farm because 30% basically probably would rob you of all your profitability. Um, but you know, maybe 10, 15%, if that's financially feasible for you based on your margins, um, would get them excited, right? And they're creating a new stream of revenue while you're creating a stream of revenue. Something to think cautiously about, but can, can have really, really powerful ramifications. And that's, that's actually a good point. That's actually how I, I forgot about that, but you just sparked my memory, but that's actually originally with the veterinarian, I was going to just offer him a percentage of every deal. But then we started seeing how many he was referring, how many he connections to, and it made more sense to make it a more permanent agreement. And, you know, because it was like very win-win for both of us, you know, he offered a skill set, offered skill set, and we were able to tackle it completely, but it started as just going to be a joint venture where I was giving him a percentage of every deal. And that just turned into a, you know, full-blown partnership. Awesome. Very, yeah. very cool. Uh, Dr. Dr. Claudine is asking the money that you pay yourself first with what, what do you do with that money? Just out of curiosity. Um, well, I mean, I, for me personally, that's kind of like my, my bonus, if you, you know, like when I pay myself, that's like my commission since I'm doing a lot of the sales. And so I takes a portion of that and I do bonus the team with that. That's kind of how I determine bonuses based on that distribution account, you know, and then I also just use that to like, if I want to reinvest back in the company, you know, we're pretty conservative with our company. So that's, that's really like partially part of my salary, part of what we use to, to reinvest and, and redistribute as, as we need and what's going to grow the company. I love it. Okay. So we've talked about, we've talked about the service offering. We've talked about how we're getting clients. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the delivery side of the equation. What does your model look like um, in terms of fulfillment and team? Yeah. So we're, we're big on, um, you know, like an analogy that I always use is like, you can't, you know, we had to have like two, two, two points for a line, right? So you got to have like your destination and then where you're going to go. And then that's what, so, so I, I say that because like we do a local SEO audit first, like, so we kind of sell the audit. Um, that's a way for us to get our foot in the door. It's something that we can, you know, discount as needed and, you know, to offer a lot of value. So that audit goes into like really detailed, you know, depth. It's something we used to do for free, but it was like giving them like the game plan of what, of what we're doing moving forward. So it's something that we do, um, charge for now. And so that's something that we charge, you know, anywhere from 500 to $900 for that. And then we apply that towards their first month if they decide to go with us. So it's like a great way, just like, Hey, look at all these things we found, all these inefficiencies in your current marketing campaign. Um, and it's, and it's also like, we're not afraid to like, if they're not a good fit and they have everything figured out, that allows us to kind of say like, Hey, you're in good shoes. If this ever changes, or you ever want to, you know, do more advertising more, you know, get to the next level. It's, it, it creates a very honest, um, approach. And it, and it makes us not look desperate. I mean, you can never look desperate when you're trying to land your clients. And so like that makes us look very confident in what we're trying to do. And so with that audit, um, that's something that we're able to like kind of really see like what's working, what's not working. And then that really, that audit then becomes our blueprint for what we're going to implement on the local SEO side. Um, it tells us what's going on wrong with their website, what's going on with their local SEO presence, what's going on with even some of their advertising, if they're doing it and, and even their reputation. So we kind of hit all the the metrics that we're doing, if they're doing duplicate content versus organic content, that's stuff that we find out um, in that process. And so, so then after that, you know, we'll do like an onboarding agreement, you know, build the website. We, we like to take the website on ourselves. There's certain times where that's not possible if we're dealing with a corporate group or someone who has um, some processes in place. And so, so we have two different systems if we're taking on the website, building it ourselves um, versus trying to uh, work with what they already have. Awesome. Dr. Tam is asking, 
what do you have a name that you call that that audit that you're selling for the 500 and 900 on the front end? We, we just call it the local search audit. So it's pretty, nice. you know, straightforward. I mean, our, our name's the vet marketing firm. So we're not, you know, we keep it pretty, pretty black and white. You, you know, you know what you're getting. So put it on the nose, right? And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that at all, right? Exactly. Excellent. So, all right. So you, you, you run the audit, then you get the agreement, you get the ball, the ball rolling. Um, what is that? What does the operational team look like? Do you have virtual assistants? Do you white label? Do you have an yeah. internal team? Is it a mix of everything in between? Gotcha. Yeah, we're, we're mostly internal. So we, um, we have most of our teams here in um, St. Pete, like all of our account managers and, and project managers are actually here in Florida, you know, within the Tampa Bay area. Um, we have a, an office. So we have like our account managers, our social media, our SEO, and then um, are all here in-house but we we do something that's a little different where we bring a lot of we have a really strong internship program so we're always having interns in our um in our system it's something we just like to develop people you know grow into people that's one of the parts that i really enjoy about the agency so a lot of our team has even started here as interns but because of that we hire like they're, they're i call them full-time contractors because they've been with me for you know nine plus years but they're our subject matter experts like we have like i think one of the best seo guys in the industry works for us one of the our operations guy you know he's he, he also helps with some of our ads. And so he's like, I consider him like a subject matter expert. And so there are people that, you know, are not necessarily we're putting in 40 hours a week um, at times, but they're able to really help us like develop these, this talent and get them like really trained and adapted to our processes. So like our, our fulfillment team, our account managers, a lot of them started at a junior level, but then have worked up and grown. And we just, we just try to hire people that there's a book um, called Raving Fans um, that we try to get everyone to read. And it's like, just really about providing that kind of like Chick-fil-A type service that you know, Zappos, Nordstrom, we kind of have, you know, that kind of service. And so like, if people have those qualities, we'll hire them. And then we feel like we can develop the, the technical skills. And we do that by having subject matter experts in place. And then all of our, all of our developers now too, are in that if they, if our developers don't want to work in the office, then they're contractors, but we, we treat them really well. We treat them like employees, still bonus them out and, uh, you know, try to give them time off paid, not PTO. You got to be careful with, you know, talk to your HR person about, how you, you know, what defines a contractor versus an employee, but I just, we let, we let them kind of work on their schedule, but we give them like a really great work-life balance at the same time. And that's kept these contractors with us for a long time and kept them really loyal. I love it. Um, as it relates to that internship program, like where do you, what schools are you pulling from? And then are they free interns or are they low paid interns until they prove their value? Can I talk a little bit about that? Cause I think it's a great concept. Yeah, so I mean, we're we're in St. Petersburg. We got several schools close by. You know, then we got University of Florida, UCF, uh, USF. We got a USF right here in, in downtown St. Pete. So we're just always advertising for interns. I pay them eleven dollars an hour, which is like a pretty fair wage for an intern. And you know, we're we we were like we'll try to take one every every semester. And then you know, a lot of times those are people that have just you know stayed with us, and now they're you know coachable. They've they've learned the system, and so then we you know we'll hire them and. Uh, and, and grow that route um, as we continue to go. So I love that. So you're not telling them, Hey, look, come work for me for free. And, and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to use you as much as I can, you know, no, you're this, paying them like 11 bucks an hour. It's more than they can go make at Starbucks It's more than they can go make, um, you know, working somewhere else. And you're getting someone that's completely fresh wanting to prove themselves. And you can really vet like who's high quality, who's not going to be a fit. Probably some of your best talent has rised through that process. Yeah, like one of our, two of our people that came, they were getting ready to like, they just moved here, they're going to school, they're getting ready to get a job at, at Chick-fil-A and uh, I'm friends with the Chick-fil-A owner. So I hope he maybe doesn't hear that, but it's like, hey, we're like, <laughs> hey, we, if you guys want, you know, we can get you something that's going to give you a little bit more 
um, skills if this is the field that you want to stay in. So I think with, especially if they're majoring in marketing, I mean, we all know that, you know, in, in school, a lot of times they're not teaching you with like actual real world skills. So that's like how we try to position ourselves and sell ourselves and, you know, having a great culture to help take them in and, and grow that makes a big, a big piece of it. So we'll, we'll get them in board and, you know, kind of offer them a, a path where they can really learn some great skills and then we can train them and, and teach them and, and go from there. I love it. So logistically speaking, um, did you connect with the school and, and like come up, like connect with their yeah. internship program? Yeah. yeah. So several of the schools have job boards and they do like kind of like digital career fairs. And so you become an on, online vendor and you can get um, paid, like not paid, sorry, but like approved internship credit. So they can actually like a lot of these schools are required to take a course and like internship and they get credit for it. And so like you just, it's a very easy process a lot of times um, to sign up for that. And so we've done that with several schools that we've seen, you know, had some good candidates come through. And um, so that's worked out really well for us. And then um, by doing that, that just, then we have like a stay stream, but we've also just like get the word out, you know, like refer with your, you know, your local church, your local, um, anything you're involved with, you know, like some, so if anything that has like a community of young individuals that are trying to, you know, get out there, it's just a great way to see if they're going to be a good fit for you. And if you're going to be a good fit for them and kind of get that culture, you know, dialed in early on. Fantastic. Great, great share, guys. If you're not looking at it, you can find good talent, you know, people that are taking their education seriously um, and still not pay premium like somebody that's already graduated. You're going to be looking at, you know, 45, 50 versus 11 bucks an hour. Yeah, super cool. All right. So Nick, Nick Mays is on with us. He had a question and he's saying he likes the idea of that SEO audit. Can you kind of walk us through a role play with us, how you sell or position that audit at the front of the sales process? Yeah, I mean, the big thing is like, we want to decide if we're a good fit for them and if they're a good fit for us. You know, like that's like, that's part of it right there. We want to make sure that there's, the, again, we're not, we don't like to like sell something that we can't deliver on. So we're not, we'd rather say no to a client, keep our reputation in the space than work with somebody that we can't provide like actionable results. And I think that's one of the things that like kind of separates us from a lot of our, our competitors in the vet space. So there, there's a lot of great partners out there. Um, we've worked with some that will do audits for you. There's like local SEO agencies that will, you can like white label the audit and then kind of upsell it. We've, we've kind of found out what works for us, but that kind of incorporates the, the local SEO strategy, the, um, you know, the ad strategy. And so, and then really the content strategy. So we're going through and like looking at their, their Google, my business, seeing what they're doing there. We're going through and looking at their content, um, what's working there and then looking at some of their ads, what's working there. So like, again, really what we're trying to like find out is like, if there's any inefficiency, if there's just like, we kind of have our best practices in place and the things that we follow on our checklist. And so we're just trying to make sure, hey, are they, this is what we recommend. This is what we would do if we were in your position. And we really try to go through it like not, we don't upsell it too much. I mean, this is what they should be doing. This is the best practice. And so like, that's something that they could take on and do their own if they want to. But a lot of times it positions you as the expert, as you said, and it's something that allows them to help work with you in the future. So is that sold on a sales call? Like you have an initial call with them and say, hey, this looks great. Here's what our next step would be. Um, yeah. We're going to conduct an audit and we charge $900 for the audit. We're going to do a deep dive, look this, 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 and that, and the other. Um, after that, if it makes sense for us to implement, great. If not, you'll have a clear roadmap and exactly what you need to do. Yeah, excuse, yeah It's exactly. an easy that, thing for them to say yes to 900 versus 2,500 bucks a month. Exactly. It's, it's dipping their toe in the water. So we, we first try to qualify them to make sure that they're going to be a, a, a client that's able to kind of fulfill a, you know, $1,500 to $5,000 a month you know, retainer service. And then if that's the case, then it's like, Hey, before you work with us, let's like go through and prove ourselves. So it's really like proving that you're the not like, cause like a lot of people have been burned in the SEO space and in the, 
in the advertising space. So this is a way like, hey, it's a one-time fee. You're going to see how much work. And like, that's that's your chance to really like win them as a long-term client, right? And like, this is what we do. This is how we're doing it. This is the areas that we can help you. And then this is what, you know, again, it's dipping their toe in the water, seeing how you guys operate, you know, quickly you get back to them, how thorough you are. And then that's going to position the, the pace of how you're going to work with them, you know, moving forward. I love it. Super, and then we'll give cool. a discount towards their work. And, you know, there's been, there's been plenty of times where they, you know, they, they're really happy with the audit and they may, they maybe haven't worked with us, but then they come back down the road and it, and it gives us a warm introduction because they realize that the other company is not fulfilling on some of the stuff that we told them to do. So it's, it's a fine line of giving away your services, but we, I mean, there's not a lot of new stuff in the SEO world right now. You know, it's like, it's a lot of it's doing the same thing. It's all about execution. So if you're willing yeah. to put that yourself out there, um, it can pay dividends down the road. No, no doubt. Great share. Darren's asking, do you partner with companies to do your websites or do you have like an in-house team? It sounds like you've got developers and you do that in-house. Yeah. Again, they're, they're contractors that, that do it in-house for us. Um, if we, we do have like an overflow agency, if we need to, I think I saw that was, if it's Darren Shaw, we've definitely used his, you know, his group a lot for, you know, if we get big groups and need to do citations and stuff like that. So, you know, Darren's team's awesome with that side of things. But as far as the the website development, um, we've done that in-house. And again, it's, I used to have developers like full-time on salary. Um, we had one that it's a, you know, another story for another time. And he gave his like seven day notice, you know, five days before my son was due. And like, this is after we helped him move to another city and stuff like that. So at that point we kind of decided to, if developers don't want to be here in the office, they're going to be, you know, contractors. And, and we found great developers like all over, all over the U S that have, that have worked for us. And so they're, they're contractors, but we still, you know, we work with them so regularly and we're able to send them so much work and so much project work. They just become very loyal. And uh, so it's, it's in-house I'd say, cause they're, they consider themselves part of the team, but they're still, you know, 1099s in terms of how we pay them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's perfect. Um, shifting gears for a minute. We've talked a little bit about sales. We've talked a little bit about marketing. We've talked a little bit about kind of delivery Let's talk a little bit about retention, right? You know, it's one thing to sell these clients onto these $1,500, $2,500 programs. It's another thing to keep them on and actually have them paying month in and month out. Can you talk a little bit about what you're doing to retain your clients at the highest level? Yeah, I mean, I mean, a big thing that we, we're big on um, call tracking is like one thing that we, so we're big on results. So like we do, like we implement call tracking with other clients. We're using um, call tracking metrics for that. We, we get grandfathered. There's a lot of other good providers. That's just one that we've been accustomed to. And then we're big on like tracking our time internally. Like we use, use harvest time tracking. So everything's like very transparent with what we're doing. And we try to provide that to the client. So they know like exactly what's happening each month. And, you know, and so we just try to over communicate with that, that with them, especially early on. I mean, that's one thing that you guys, um, the seven figure agency have really like emphasized the importance of like, Hey, those monthly agreements are always, you know, like people, you've, you've seen those people like those agencies that are like only communicate good news. And like, you got to include some of the bad. I mean, we're all human, right. We're trying to work through like they're, these clients aren't perfect if they're coming to you for advertising services. And so we try to communicate the wins and what we're working on. Like, Hey, is this, this metric might've dropped, but this is what we're doing to fix it. So I think if you're willing to like address the problem, show the solution, um, that's a big way to retake to say some of these big clients, because everything isn't going to be like peachy. I mean, they're going to be suspect if like, they're just getting these gl glowing results all the time. And if you're trying to like you only got three people through the door and you're trying to make it sound like you got a home run when their expectation is a hundred people, you're going to look like a, you know, a doofus and you're not going to really be able to like, they're, they're going to like implement some bad blood. So I think the more honest you are, the more transparent you are and the more real you are. I think that just pays, you know, people want that in today's 
culture, especially in today's marketing environment, there's like a lot of, you know, people that a lot of imposters or a lot of people that are just, you know, too busy to really provide, you know, provide the service that this person needs to kind of get to the next level. So we really hold their hand. We give them like, you know, the same access that they'd give their clients. So if a vet's willing to like talk 24 seven, then we'll find someone on our team that's willing to talk to them. That usually doesn't happen, but like for the most part, they're going to have access to me, you know, get to be able to schedule time with me if it, if it comes to that and just, you know, coach our team to really, you know, communicate with them, over communicate with them and, and throughout the process. And, and the reporting is such a big piece of, of keeping those clients early on. I love it. Yeah. Great tips. And I think the, the one that kind of stood out in the comments here was being transparent, right? Don't always just talk about the good, talk about some of the problems, talk about some of the things you're working on that builds trust. And it also is authenticity, right? They know that you're actually not trying to put a veil over their eyes, but you're trying to show them like, here's, here's the good, here's the bad, here's what we're working on. And here's what we need to focus on over the next 60 to 90 days. Definitely, definitely. Really, really good. Really great stuff. Kyle, this has been great. Guys, we're getting down to the end of the hour. So if you have any specific questions for Kyle while we're still on, put it in the chat. Um, Kyle, as we start to wrap up, what would you say would be like one, one tip or one salient piece of wisdom you could share with that agency owner that's just trying to get to the next level, kind of get to that next rung? I think you need to have like a, you need to work really, really hard and, and really smart, but you need to have like a long-term philosophy. Like if you're doing this for the short term and get rich quick, I mean, there, there's a lot of competition and I think that's going to get snuffed out really, really quickly, but you just like make small, you know, like small gains turn into big gains. Right. So like set those, you know, like baby steps turn into walking and walking turns into running. So like, just kind of keep down the path and, and, you know, write your goals down, have crystal clear goals and like really try to provide, a ton of value, you know, like, um, I saw a quote, you know, like, what would it take? What, what was the one thing that would keep your client, you know, to refer you 10 people like do that one thing, you know? And so like, I saw that quote the other day and it's like, that's a great, you know, thought like, what's, what is the thing? Like, what's the pain point that your clients have and where can you provide the most value? Like do that thing for them. And, and so like early on, I think you just got to get them, like, you got to do stick to what you're good at and then, you know, find partners, find, you know, resources that are going to help you do the things that you're not good at and try to get that off your plate as soon as possible. I think I wish I, there's a lot of things that I had taken off my plate earlier on, you know, so, so be conservative, save a lot of, save as much money as possible so that you can get those things off your plate earlier. The more leverage you are, the tougher it is to do that. Love it. Great tips. There's a couple questions here. I, I want to make sure I don't leave anybody behind. Dr. Claudine, I'm sorry if you asked a question we didn't see in here. Um, Cynthia is asking, do you provide a referral fee once the referral confirms or when they send the lead? That's, that's a solid question. Yeah. So we'll, that's what I was saying. Like, we'll do a two part. If they just send the lead, we'll pay them for that. So there's times, you know, if the lead's qualified and, and we have a phone call, we'll give them $200 just for sending us a lead. Cause like, oh, that wow. just, so that's a lead payment. Not if they become a client, that's like, yeah, then, well, then we'll do like yeah, then we'll do like the additional $300 if they become a client, you know, or some variation of that, you know, it, like that. it does, it's not completely black and white. Obviously it depends on the lead and, and we do our research on that too, but we pay them up because we want them to be encouraged to send us more. It's not, it's not up to them if they choose us or not. We think that, you know, that, that $200, we kind of know our cost require customers. So if we can still get that in for $200, that's still, you know, about what we're paying for, you know, some of our leads that are coming through the door anyways. So hundred percent. Great point. Yeah. And you might feel like 250 for a referral. That's a lot. Even if they don't close, I, I'm going to you know pay too much, but the reality is through Facebook ads, through Google ads, you're spending at least that much probably to get an appointment with the qualified prospect. Um, and a referral is going to be your most qualified prospect. Right. And if your time's worth, you know, X dollars per hour, you, you can work that backwards pretty quickly. 
Uh, Mark's asking about channels for inbound marketing. Um, you know, where, where, what channels are you using? Uh, LinkedIn, SEO, like what, what do you have in play? Yeah, I mean, we're using them all right now. I feel like I mean, we're using Google, you know, pretty heavily. We're using um, Facebook and we have a pretty big email list. So that's helped us, you know, we've, we've really cultivated that list. LinkedIn um, does work well, but it's um, LinkedIn has not been for our, for our niche. It hasn't been as great for getting clients in the doors. It's been really good for like building connections and, you know, partnerships and that kind of stuff for us. But all of them, yeah, Google, Facebook, Instagram are the are the big ones for us. Um, newsletter, you know, our, our newsletter and then and then LinkedIn also. Perfect. In terms of the the on your website, you're offering a free audit, Coach Tam says. How's that different than the audit that they get when they pay the the nine hundred dollars? Yeah, so like the free audit is just like what we can do, and then that's the upsell to the local search audit. You know, so the free audit is just like, hey, what you're doing, that's just like a competitor report. Um something that we're just saying like, Hey, here's, here's what you can be doing. This is if you want to like really implement those strategies and take to the next level. So that's just doing like the, the basic ones that are free out there. Google page speed, um, competitor report, citation report, you know, some of those kind of link building, basically that kind of stuff. Excellent. Well, great stuff. This has been, this has been awesome. Kyle, congratulations on your success. Thanks for coming on here and sharing your wisdom with the group. Um, guys, be sure to reach out to Kyle. Thank him for his nuggets. Thank him for, for what he shared. Um, if you're in the Facebook group or you're in the, in the program, you know, post a couple of your takeaways, a couple of the things that you got that really resonated and made sense for you. Um, Kyle, anything you want to say as we, as we wrap things up today? No, I mean, this has been great. I think it's a, you know, it's a great space, especially if you like helping people and like, you know, solving complex marketing problems. I mean, every day is kind of new, every day is, you know, exciting. And so I, I really enjoy, I think you got to get around, you know, people that can help you. I mean, that's one thing that, you know, the earlier you can get around people that are going to hold you accountable and, you know, push you to the next level. I think the quicker you're going to see really great results. So I'm, I'm thankful to be a part of, you know, this group, thankful for the opportunity. And I think there's a lot of, you know, a lot of success to be had out there. 100%. Well, Kyle, thanks again. It was an honor. I really appreciate you sharing. Thank Those you. of you on with us live, have an amazing Thanksgiving. Have a great weekend. Um, be sure to tune in for future interviews of successful digital marketing agencies. And uh, we'll talk to you all again soon. All right. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Kyle. All right. Have a good one.